You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things related to deer hunting below the Mason-Dixon line. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, and welcome to episode number five of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am Parker McDonald, and I've also got my good friend Blake with me. What's up, Blake? What's up, man? You doing good? Yeah. So this is a pretty exciting time for us because this is the time when most people would talk about their sponsors. That's right. Yeah. 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 Good time for that. Yep. Anyway, moving on, uh, <laughs> we don't have any of those. <laughs> not at the moment. So we're not going to talk about sponsors right now. <laughs> we're just going to get straight into it. Dive um, right in. Today is, what day is it? We're recording on a Monday. March 19th. March 19th. Monday, March 19th. That's not very far until turkey season. For no, it just sounds like turkey season. For us. It just seems like it should be turkey season already. Yeah. Actually... It is turkey season in most of Alabama right now, <laughs> yeah. except for the counties that we hunt. Yeah. So that kind of stinks, but it's been a, I, I actually did get to go out this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. You uh, made, a, made a video about it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. You can see it um, on our Instagram page. It's called Bird Watching. And I just went out and basically just did that. I was not hunting at all. I just wanted to go to this little piece of public ground with my kayak in search of turkeys just to make sure that they were still there. And I just wanted to call and see if they were there. And they were. Yeah, they're Uh, still there. Still alive. Dude, it rained so much. Where I have been parking my kayak, I went a good like 250 yards further into the woods. Yeah, I can tell tell in the video in that one spot, it was up in the trees a little bit. It was crazy. Yeah, It's funny. I was... And one of the places that I was where I actually parked my kayak at where I beached it, um, I looked up to my right. And the very first time I had come into that area, I was parking my kayak in the water, in standing water that was probably five foot deep right there and looking at the tree that I hunted out of for the first time. God, that's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> the first time I was over there. But I, I, it rained on me the whole morning. And right when the sun came out, the rain stopped, the sun came out, and I called and there was a tom like right on me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I couldn't believe it. I was I was super pumped though. It sounds awesome in the video, man, hearing that turkey gobble. God, it sounded good, man. It's it crazy when you're when you're calling and waiting for the gobble but you don't have a gun in your hand. Yeah, that's got to be weird. I've never It was never done that. It was less than desirable. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got I got to tell you. So so I did that I, on Friday. I shot my my shotgun a little bit. I got quote unquote patterns. Yeah. And, and that was when I decided that I needed to get a good choke tube. So I did that and got my patterns a little bit tighter. And then I painted my shotgun. I did a DIY paint job on it, which looks kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of yeah, looked awesome, man. Looked really cool. It's good for, a, I have a cheap shotgun. So yeah, um, same here. The old Maverick, the old Maverick, Maverick 88. 88. <laughs> yes, sir. 
That is the uh, poor man's shotgun. That's so right. I really don't care what happens to it. If the paint job was bad, I was, uh, oh, it's not going to look worse than it already did. So. Yeah, yeah. It's been a great gun, though, man. It's shot a lot of turkeys. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome gun. I love mine. I've done a bunch of duck cutting with mine. I've never shot any turkeys with it. <laughs> uh, the title of your video, Bird Watching, it, that describes my entire turkey hunting career. I've only watched birds. <laughs> I've uh, never shot any. So, Have you ever shot at one? No, never even shot at one. Uh-uh. Really? I had, when I was, oh man, I think I was like 12 or 13 when I went on my first ever turkey hunting and, and, and like one of like five that I've been on since then and had one like come right in on me, a, a little Jake and uh, yeah, I didn't get shot at it. So, but it was close. I was, man, if he had, if he had just taken one more step around a trailing, would have got him. That's awesome. That was man. a little breakdown, 20 gauge, no choke, nothing. My pattern was probably five foot wide. <laughs> at 20 yards. Yeah. <laughs> and I shot my very first, my very first turkey was a huge tom in Texas. Yeah. And in Texas, you can hunt turkeys during the fall, during the f- fall deer season. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, people shoot them all the time, almost because they're, they kind of suck during deer season. They're no fun to see because they come in and they eat all the corn from the feeder. They call them corn vultures. That's hilarious. In Texas. But I shot my very first turkey with a 30 out six. Oh, man. Right in the chest. <laughs> That's legal in Texas? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. Okay. <laughs> I think so. For a for yeah. a 13 year old, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like I don't it. Know. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not sure about the legality of that, but I'm pretty sure it's legal. Hey, man, we all start somewhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. If that's, that's the most funny. illegal thing that I've ever done, then I think i'm doing pretty good you're doing very good yeah (laughs) you know so that's all we're gonna say about that yeah (laughs) no but it was it was actually a huge bird it had like a nine inch beard um my very first turkey it was i think it was like the opening day of deer season of gun season um makes sense why you had a 30 out six with you yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. um so it was pretty cool that's awesome man so so how about you man what you been doing this dude uh same thing i do do a lot of weekends uh working and uh just doing that that family thing you know yeah, but I mean, you kind of have that working man vibe. I do. I, I'm. Pro- I think I'm really putting that off, especially here <laughs> lately, because I, I never talk about it. And now that I'm on the podcast and and we 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 talk about like we update everybody about our lives, I'm just gonna let's just use this recording, and I, I'm not even gonna come in next time. I'm just we'll just use this one. All right. <laughs> this is gonna be. This is the template for Blake's recording. <laughs> I worked for now. <laughs> I worked a lot. Yeah, you know, I think I think what it's just the season in life I'm in. Yeah, that's, that's, hey, that's, that's good. That's what it is. Yeah. All I can think about though is like because you're like in significantly better shape than I am, <laughs> and all I can think about is when you say that you worked all weekend or whatever is the Chris Farley thing on Saturday Night Live where yeah. he's like, so maybe I eat my own dandruff and all that. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, man. I love like, Chris. Farley. That's what I think of. So maybe I just go out in the woods and play all the time. <laughs> So maybe you work hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's so good. That's what I think about all the time. But I'll tell you somebody who does work hard. Yeah. I, you're gonna like this segue. Okay. Mr. Greg Godfrey. Oh man. That yeah. is a hard working man. Yeah, he's a hard working guy. So he is such a hard worker that we decided that we wanted to bring him on the show this week and talk all about saddle hunting. Yeah, he know he knows a thing or two about a saddle. Oh my gosh, dude. He just released another video. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's called hunting from a tree saddle for beginners or something like that. And I watched it and like the guy is, he's so, he, he found his niche. He's so smart. He found this niche and he has capitalized on it. And, and I've been noticing on so many of the forums that I've been on, 
Uh, even even since we recorded the the episode with him, the phone call with him, I've noticed just people asking, "Hey, Greg Godfrey, what is your idea on this saddle or how how would you do this with a saddle or whatever?" Like I've seen so many questions coming to him, and so I thought this would be just a really good episode for the run and gun mobile hunter. Um, and even if you're not that, even if you you hunt private land or something like that, um, this could still be a really valuable episode for you. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think Greg's a go-to guy, man. I love seeing somebody who's passionate about what he does like he is. And uh, he's helping a ton of people, you know, try something new. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. I'm so excited that I think I'm going to make the plunge this year. Yeah, I'm, gonna do I, it. I, I'm, I'm excited about that, too. I, I want to try one out bad, it, especially after talking with him, just because the portability. I mean, especially where we hunt, man, like way back there. Yeah, so, it'd be cool. Yeah, and Greg actually has another podcast. It's called the Saddle Hunter Podcast. So I just encourage every every guy uh, or girl listening to this to go check out the Saddle Hunter Podcast. He's also been on one of our um, podcasts on Sportsman's Nation, which is the DIY Sportsman, and that was a great episode at Saddle Palooza. And I heard I've heard of him. I've heard his name. I've talked to him a couple times, and I found out that he's from Georgia. And I said. Gosh, we got to get this dude on the show. So (laughs) he's going to be on the show. We won't take up too much more of your time today with this intro. So let's just get into our conversation with Greg Godfrey. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. This is episode number five, and we have got a really, really cool guest, and his name is Greg Godfrey. Yes, that is my name, and I am pretty pumped to uh, be on the podcast with you guys. Man, did you did you like my my welcome? Like, everybody should know Greg Godfrey. It's I know. Like, I mean, you really didn't even need to say that. People could just sense who it was through the <laughs> airwaves. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, man. Dude, we are super excited to have you on the show today. Um, you have talked to me. I've talked to you multiple times in the last probably two months and I've been telling Blake all of those conversations and so I know he's really excited to have you on the show as well and finally get to talk to you yeah man pumped to have you I'm not gonna lie every time I see your name on social media I think back to Nitro Circus do y'all remember what Nitro Circus is oh yeah the the Travis Pastrana (laughs) do do you know what I'm about do you know Greg Godfrey Greg, Greg Godfrey uh, yeah, I've been asked that more than once if that was me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm alive. I have all of my fingers and toes and my eyebrows have never been burned off. So, yeah, I know I know that Greg got <laughs> Well, I'm a fan of, of both Gregs. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Greg, this Greg Godfrey has a pretty uh, well-known YouTube page. It's called G2 Outdoorsman. Is that right? G2 Outdoorsman? G2 Outdoors. G2 Outdoors. Okay. Tell us a little bit about it, man. I I know I've watched some of your videos. I know Blake has as well. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that page is all about. Yeah, so I started uploading videos uh, almost a year ago, like last May 2017. And uh, it was really just just to have fun. You know, I'm always like you guys. I'm always outside. I'm always fishing. And then in turkey season, I'm turkey hunting. And then... And all summer long, I'm fishing for my kayak and then fall, fall and winter, I'm chasing deer and pigs and all that stuff. And so I just figured, you know, hey, I want to start recording this stuff and, and posting it. I didn't think anybody would actually watch it. 
And then people started watching it a little bit. And, and then, you know, I, I'm kind of this weird guy in this weird niche of saddle hunting, which not very many hunters know even what it is. Um, you know, they may have heard a reference to it here or there, but really it's kind of an unknown little niche with just kind of a handful of hunters in the overall hunting community. And I started posting videos about saddle hunting and, uh, it kind of, kind of took off a little bit and, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really enjoy making videos and, and helping people discover, uh, saddle hunting. So I still do other stuff, you know, like hunting videos and fishing videos and, you know, like how to stuff, but really I think probably my niche and where I'm going to focus most of my effort is on the saddle hunting because that seems to be resonating with people yeah yeah and that's that's where actually our first couple of conversations started from as you were telling me a little bit about that um, and we're going to talk about that a lot today that's the hunting with the saddle or saddle hunting is going to be the focus of our conversation but I do have a couple of questions uh, just that I don't even really know I know that you're a saddle hunter I know that you use a kayak to hunt like myself and like Blake does um, but I want to know a little bit about your, your background. Like what, what do you do? What do you do for a living? What's your family life like? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no problem at all. Absolutely. So I am a Southern ground hunter, just like you guys. I'm in, uh, Savannah, Georgia or thereabouts. I'm, I'm active duty army. So I'm stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia, which is just South of Savannah. Uh, but I was born and raised in the South. I grew up in, in the panhandle of Florida, or Panama City and Pensacola area. So I'm very familiar with, with the, the swamps and, and the type of hunting that, that you guys deal with. So that's kind of how I cut my teeth hunting with my family, my dad and uncles and my brother. And, uh, you know, my story is, is similar to probably 98% of, of those listening right now that, you know, grew up in the South and and all of the things that come along with that. And then I, I joined the military uh, after college, and, and Uncle Sam sent me to kind of all over the place. I've been to Georgia a few times, and uh, I, I did a three-year stint in, in Colorado in the Rockies, which was a total blast where I got to chase mule deer and elk, and uh, that was fun. And then they sent me to upstate New York, and I, I chased some, some northern whitetails and did a whole bunch of fishing and hiking, backpacking. And uh, a few trips across the pond, and I've now, like I said, wound up in Savannah, Georgia, and chasing these swamp donkeys down here it is quite the challenge for sure. Um, so yeah, so I guess that's uh, the, the roundabout answer to the question. Uh, that's kind of my background. Like I said, I got into it with my family, just like you guys. Uh, I, I heard your story, uh, Parker, in the first podcast about how you, you started hunting with your dad and, and all of those vivid memories that you talked about with killing that first deer and then that first buck and sa same thing here. I mean, you know, I could, I could recount the same stories. Um, but that's, that's basically that. And then, you know, I'm married two kids and, and I try to get out as much as I can between work and family. So Man. Just like, just like you guys, you know. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. To our listeners, uh, you may have heard Greg on an episode, two episodes ago, I think, of the DIY Sportsman, where they were at Saddle Palooza. Um, that was an episode that Greg was on, and I was like, man, we got to get this guy on. He's from, he's from the South, and we we I, I sent him a message on Facebook. And I was like, dude, let's figure out a way to make this happen. We had talked a lot. We had talked about kayak hunting. 
Um, we talked about a lot about hunting from a saddle. And actually, Greg had convinced me that I needed to hunt from a saddle. And I think Blake mentioned just a second ago that he was really interested in doing it as well. Greg's push for saddle hunting is one of those that is undeniably good. I'm like, this guy convinced me without ever even talking on the phone, like never even hearing his voice, convinced me, you need to be in a saddle. It's like his, I think his actual words were, it pained you to hear me talk about loading my climber into my kayak. <laughs> do you remember sending well, I've that? Done it. Yeah, I, I do remember sending that and I've done it. You know, I, I made the transition and I used to lug around my 24 pound API climber. And, you know, I know that there's a better way. And it, it, it just hurt me to see you working so hard and you were like almost there. You got the kayak, you were, you were, busting your butt getting back deep into public land and i'm like this is this is my people you know this is my guy i gotta help him out so i say the message just uh, it was it was i felt a little bad for you parker dude that it, you know what though part of it is like like the pain of of making it all happen and unloading my kayak or unloading my climber out of the kayak that's part of like the the fun of it i guess however now, I say all that to say I am not against making that part easier. <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Before we get really into the into the saddle stuff, Greg is a fellow kayak hunter like us and um I want to know what your setup looks like for that. Uh, before we get into all the saddle um mumbo jumbo, I want to I want to hear about your kayak setup. Excellent. I love talking about it. That's like it's like my second love, you know, that's my, it's my vice wife. If you're allowed to have a, a wife and a vice wife, that would be my vice wife. Saddle hunting is like, is like my vice. And then the second one has got to be my kayak. I just love it. I, I'm using a Hobie pro angler and, you know, I catch a lot of flack for this. I, I tout the kayak fishing on the forum, saddlehunter.com. And I'm always trying to convince guys to, to get to a kayak or to a, a skiff or a canoe or some sort of lightweight boat that you can hunt by water because, you know, like you guys know, hunting by water is such an effective way to do it. And, you know, I catch flack because a, a pro angler is, it's pretty expensive and it's, uh, it's kind of the Cadillac of kayaks. in in my opinion, it's the best one on, on the market. And I, I, you know, I was fortunate that it just worked out for me. I sold a canoe and two sets of golf clubs in order to afford it. But I got a Hobie, Hobie Pro Angler, and uh, I fish a lot from it. And then when it came time to hunt, it just kind of was a no-brainer to me. The the kayak, it's like a it has a 600-pound weight capacity. So me and all the gear and a, a big old buck or a, a big stanky bore can all fit on this thing, no problem. And yeah, so, and that's my setup. And uh, I'm hunting a lot of rivers and swamps here in Savannah. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the kayak. It's a Hobie. It's a 14 foot Hobie Pro Angler, and that's it. And you've got you've got a video on your YouTube page explaining your kayak setup. Is that right? Oh yeah, I decked this thing out, man. I did. I installed a battery with a, a, a huge LED light in the front that I you know turns on and off for going in before dawn and out after dark and then i installed some gun racks and some storage uh up front and in the rear yeah i pretty much pimped it out i love it it is a lot of fun and and i you you hit the nail on the head i detailed it on my youtube channel exactly 
exactly what I did. And and the mods that I made aren't really Hobie uh, Pro Angler specific. You could really do them with anything with a little bit of ingenuity. Dude, <laughs> I want... I want you to know about a story that just that just happened this last week. We were pig hunting with our most recent guest, Ammon McKinney. And he said the word pimp in a sentence. And I was like, bro, we got to use that word. I haven't heard that word in so long. And you said it without even knowing that story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your setup sounds pretty pimp. Ammon, that one was for you, buddy. Um, <laughs> that's awesome, man. So, did you start hunting with your kayak before or after you started with the saddle? Uh, I've been saddle hunting for, oof, man, I don't even know. Let's see. I got I bought my first saddle in 2009, so that's been for a minute. But I didn't start hunting out of my kayak until I moved to Georgia. Um, I didn't even have a kayak. I, I had never even been in a kayak until I moved down here. And like I said, I really bought it to fish you know because the coastal georgia area is full of fantastic fishing and and then it just kind of was a no-brainer to me that that, hey i can access all of these hard to reach places with the boat and so i've only been doing that for what this was my third season hunting out of the boat so yeah i mean i'm still pretty new at it I'm, i'm learning as i go yeah yeah and and it's um you actually one of the first videos I saw from you was one of the, were you a successful trip with your kayak with, on a couple of pigs, which was a really cool video. Um, and I yeah. think, I think that was this year. Am I right? That was, yeah, that, oh gosh, it all kind of runs together. Yeah. That was this year. I actually shot four pigs on that, that hunt, <laughs> but I only found two of them and I cut that out of the video. I don't know why I kind of wish I hadn't now, but I cut the other two shots out. Um, but once I got down and I started tracking these pigs, I found two of them right away. And then if, if you see the video, you'll see that I like step on two snakes. And I'm not a big fan of snakes. And I said, you know, screw that. I'm not trying to get bit by a snake. So those other two pigs, they can just, they're they're gone. I don't need any more than two, two pigs anyway. So Yeah, and you got both of them into that kayak, which is pretty impressive. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I could have fit another one pretty easily. Oh man, man, that's awesome. So, dude, kind of transitioning in more into the saddle. How how did you even find out about it? Because I know, like, the only way I found out about it was through Parker. Because you're not going to go in any local outdoor shops and find those. You know, nobody's going to care. Nobody carries those around here, at least. So, how did you how did you find out about it in the first place? So it was back in 2000. I want to say 2009. I joined the military, and you know, like I said kind of at the beginning when I was talking about my hunting experience as a child, you know, and and as a teenager and a, you know, young adult, I I was always hunting with my dad and with my family. So, you know, I was using dad's tree stands and dad's climbers and dad's stuff. And so when I joined the military and I left home, you know, I had to, I was faced with a decision, you know, do I want to buy all that stuff? Uh, and then, you know, I wasn't going to have a, a lease to hunt on. I was going to be hunting on all public land where I assumed that, you know, if I left something in the woods, it was going to get stolen. And I was going to alert every hunter in the area that where I was hunting. And those seemed like bad ideas to me. So I, I figured there had to be something better out there. And I just started searching and, and it was actually, um, 
uh, an old, uh, I found an, John Eberhart. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the name John Eberhart, but he's been hunting out of a tree saddle since the early 80s, like something like 40 years. This guy has been kind of leading the charge of, of tree saddle hunting. And I, and I found his book uh, called Bow Hunting Pressured Whitetails. His website is, is dearjohn.net, or if you just search John Eberhart, uh, you'll find him. Uh, he's written four or five books, and the dude is a stone-cold killer. I mean, he hunts in, in Michigan, which is uh, the most heavily pressured state in the country, and he's killed – I forget his stats. We just had him on the podcast, on my podcast, on the Saddle Hunter podcast, and I'm trying to remember his stats. Hey, this, isn't, this like, isn't a show where you can push your own podcast, bro. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> just, just delete that out. No, I'm just kidding, man. We were. I was actually going to do that later on in the show. So, uh, yeah, so he, he's, he's something like he's hunted in Michigan for 52 years and he's killed like 54 record book bucks and or, or mature bucks, I think he calls it. But anyway, yeah, so he's he written a few a few bucks. Uh, bow hunting the Eberhart way is one of them. And then bow hunting pressured whitetails and precision bow hunting. And I highly recommend it. John is a killer. And if you if you read his stuff. And you implement some of his tactics, just like you know Dan Infall's tactics. Uh, if you kind of if you kind of learn what he stands for and and how he operates, you will be a better hunter for sure. Dude, I love that. And and one of the things, one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to start this podcast in the first place is just because we don't. A lot of the people who, unless you just really are going out and looking for information. A lot of people don't know about guys like that or like uh, like Dan Infault, unless you're in that culture, unless you're immersed into that. Um, and, and a lot of times things in the South get here last, trends and, and things like that, and information gets to the South last. And so one of the things, there's there's guys like, like you with Saddle Hunter podcast, and there's other people in the South who are finally being able to push this kind of information out. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you get you on this show because I feel like this is a a method that's not taken advantage of as well as it could be. And and so one of the things that we're going to do today is we are going to talk about some of the questions that a hunter might have. And uh, Greg, you sent us these questions because you knew you could answer these really really well. And so. Uh, we're just going to ask you these questions one by one, man, and uh, because I know I have a, a lot of these questions are things that I want to know as well, and I'm sure Blake is in the same spot, and a lot of the listeners are going to be there as well. So, so let's just start out with this one, which is probably the most important question of, is hunting from a saddle safe? Uh, you know, that's a, it's a great question, and you came up honest, with it, so... <laughs> yeah, you know, whoever asked that question is a pretty smart guy. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah, saddle hunting is, believe it or not, safer than a traditional tree stand. And I, it's, it seems weird to a lot of people when they think about, wait a minute, so I'm up in a tree, I'm hanging there just in this little cloth seat, and I'm tied to the tree with a rope, and you're telling me that is safer than an all-metal tree stand that is strapped to the tree with chains or ratchet straps or something like that? And it absolutely is, and, and there's two reasons why. First of all, when you, when you climb a tree with a saddle, uh, it, it is built into the, 
the the saddle that it's a safety harness at the same time. So we have lineman loops on on a saddle, which you use a lineman belt to climb the tree. So you are connected to the tree from the time that you leave the ground until the time that you get to the to the top at hunting height. Secondly, uh, like I said, it is it is a built-in safety harness. So there's no extra, you know, safety harness that you have to wear and then tie into the tree before you get into your, your traditional tree stand. The, the tree saddle does all of that. And it's typically, I mean, these things are rated at like 5,000 pounds. We're using climbing rope to, to tether, a, to, to tether ourselves to the trees. And these climbing ropes are rated at like 6,000 pounds. I mean, you can't break this thing. People use People use these ropes and carabiners to climb Mount Everest. Uh, it's certainly strong enough to hold us hold us in a tree, and and it's super safe. I mean, uh, you're you're tied to the tree the entire time. It's literally impossible to fall when compared to a tree stand. So your safety harness is is designed to catch your fall, as opposed to a tree saddle, which is designed to prevent a fall. And it's a big difference because if you fall in a tree stand. Uh, if you're wearing a safety harness, you're, you know, 99% that it's going to catch that fall. But then you're dealing with a whole whole other host of problems. You know, now you're now you're hanging off your stand, some distance from your stand, and now you have to self rescue. You know, can you climb back onto the stand? Hopefully, can you push yourself around to get to your your climbing ladder or your sticks or steps? Yeah, hopefully. Um, but with a saddle, it's designed to prevent the fall. So you're never in that scenario to begin with. So to answer the question bluntly, absolutely. It's 100% safe and it's even safer than a tree stand. And I saw a video, I think it was Boudreaux Boswell. Uh, he did a video where he was like turning all kinds of ways, upside down, sideways. And like, it was very easy for him to get back upright um, at the worst, you could lose some of your gear falling out of the tree. Yeah, it, yeah. Theoretically, if you went upside down, uh, if you had some stuff in your pockets or whatever, yeah, that could definitely fall. But that's actually an exercise that I recommend to to all new saddle hunters is to set up at the ground level, you know, six inches off the ground, basically, and then try to fall out of it. Flip upside down, you know, spin around, kick your legs up. You what you'll find is that you really can't do it when you're properly tied into this thing. And then what that does is it builds all kind of confidence. So when you go up in the tree, you're like, man, I can't fall out of this anything anyway. You know, there's really nothing to worry about. That all sounds really good, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. There has to be a catch, right? Like something like this that you can get up in almost any tree and it's super safe. There has to be a catch. It sounds to me like it could be extremely uncomfortable. I don't know, man. That's that's the thing that has held me back the most from doing it is because I like to do all-day sits and really long sits, and it sounds like it'd be very uncomfortable. So can you convince me otherwise? Well, I can try. There are a whole bunch of people on SaddleHunter.com that have asked that same exact question. You know, there's no possible way that it's that comfortable and and it truly is the thing is, is you really have to just try it now i will caveat it with this i hunted for a long time like you guys out of you know climbing tree stands and i'm not going to say that a saddle is as comfortable as a plush summit or api or you know or you know a high dollar climbing tree stand 
it's just not. I mean, my summit uh, or my API Grand Slam, that thing was like a recliner. I mean, I could sit in that all day easily, no problem. And the saddle, it's not that comfortable. It's really not. But that's a trade-off, you know. If you if you're gonna carry that lazy boy into the woods, you have to deal with carrying a lazy boy into the woods. You know, you, it's louder than than a saddle. It's uh, it's heavier for sure. It's more cumbersome. It doesn't fit on as many trees. Uh, but but yeah, I guess to answer the original question, it's definitely comfortable. And there is such a thing as getting in, I call it saddle shape. Uh, it takes some practice. And when you first make the transition, you're going to notice some pressure in places that you're not used to, you know, like your hips and your butt and your lower back. It, it, it's a learning curve. You, you're going to have to learn, you know, how to set up properly in the tree and what works for your body. Because what works for me, you know, I'm a small guy, I'm 5'7, 165 pounds. And what is comfortable for me is not going to be comfortable necessarily for someone six two, you know, two forty. Yeah, it's a that's just different body types. So it takes some practice, um, but you can absolutely be comfortable enough to sit all day without question. It just takes a little bit of practice and getting your body into saddle shape. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask that. Like, what what's your average um, sit in a saddle? So do you do you do a lot of all day sits or are you pretty much, you know, a few hours in the morning, a few hours in the evening. How, how do you usually split that up in a saddle? Like when does your body say, okay, we need to get out of this thing. That doesn't happen. The only, only thing that makes me get out of the saddle is some other responsibility. You know, if I've got a family requirement or I got to go to work or, you know, whatever, or unless I, you know, I just didn't plan to sit in a saddle all day, um, or hunt all day rather there, I don't get uncomfortable at all. And the guys that really commit to the system and, and learn it and, and figure out the nuances for, for their particular body type, uh, which it, it sounds a little bit more complicated than it is. There's really only a few things that you need to adjust to figure out. It's, it's actually a pretty simple process, and, you know, I can walk you through it in five minutes. But, um, yeah, it, it, that, that's never been an issue for me. I don't get uncomfortable at all. So what it sounds like you're saying is, is that it's not necessarily – it's not necessarily uncomfortable, but it's not the most comfortable way to hunt, but it is the most, it's the lightest. It could arguably be the most efficient when it comes to getting up in a tree and keeping you safe. So I don't even know that I would necessarily call that a trade-off, but I want to know a little bit about the differences between hunting in a saddle versus hunting in a traditional tree stand in a climber or or even a hang on tree stand, what would be like the differences other than um, tree selection and safety, just practical things? What would be the biggest differences? Well, one of the biggest differences, uh, well, I'll just talk about two, two of the main differences since we already kind of talked about, um, since we already talked about safety and, and the fact that you can get into pretty much any tree that will support your weight. Uh, the other two that I would say, one is stealth and the other one is shot selection. So in a traditional tree stand, whether a climber or a lock-on style tree stand, you can't shoot behind you. Um, I, I guess maybe you could, um, but it would be very difficult to shoot directly behind the tree. With the saddle, that's not an issue at all. You can absolutely shoot 360 degrees around the tree. Um, it just, again, takes a little bit of practice and a, a little bit of planning. 
and once you're a saddle hunter it, it's not even a thing i mean it's just second nature you you already know how to make the system work you know so whereas your first season in a saddle you may be you will be learning these little nuances of how to make the system work for you but after you have some experience it's great so so first of all uh the the difference is you can shoot 360 degrees around the tree and the second difference i would say is stealth so when you're in a traditional uh, lock-on stand or a climbing stand you you sit with your back to the tree facing away from the tree and in, in my opinion you stick out a little bit and you know some guys would disagree with that but certainly in a ladder stand um which i think is the is the most sold stand in the country you definitely stick out in those and with the saddle you actually hide behind the tree so if if you know if i'm a clock if imagine a clock and and the tree is at 12 o'clock uh, in a saddle you would you would face 12 o'clock and you would you would keep the deer's projected area of travel or direction of travel at 12 o'clock whereas in a traditional tree stand if the seed if the tree is 12 o'clock you would be facing six o'clock. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Basically kind of what you can do is like when a deer comes in, you can move with, with the direction that it's going until you're ready to take that shot. Is that kind of what you're saying? You can kind of keep yourself behind the tree. Yeah. And I felt like I was kind of rambling there, but, but basically you set up behind the tree from wherever you think the deer are coming, you know? So uh, if, if, if I'm hunting a thicket, a thicket's in front of me, well, I'm going to position myself so that the tree is between me and the thicket. So that way, if any, any deer that come out from the thicket, they're going to see this tree. They're not going to see me. I'm going to be hiding behind it. Whereas from a tree stand, uh, if you were wanting to shoot towards the thicket, I would have to put my stand on the other side of the tree. So when they came out of the thicket, they could theoretically see me. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense from that perspective. And I think a lot of hunters don't necessarily always think that that's the best idea, even though if you're trying to hide from something, you're going to get behind something. But hunters want to see, want to see where the deer is coming from and see the deer first. But the, the truth is, is that, if you can see it, there's a good chance that it's going to be able to see you as well. And and that's one of the things for me with the saddle that sounds the most attractive is that I can move myself around and adjust myself around a tree to be able to keep that tree in between me and the deer until it gets into that opening. Because I've been busted so many times before I had a shot opportunity or before a deer walked into my lane when they were still behind a tree. And I couldn't get a shot. They busted me. Whereas this way, you know, you can you can kind of adjust yourself to whatever the scenario looks like. But for somebody who is really new to this, for somebody who maybe this is the first time ever even hearing about a saddle, that all kind of makes sense, except for um, how do you how do you move yourself around if you're hanging from a tree? How do you what do you do with your feet? Like how do you how are you able to move around the tree? Yeah, that's a great question. And and. Again, well, yeah. that was yours. That was your question. <laughs> Man, I'm just hitting home runs tonight. <laughs> yeah, you One are. One after the other. Uh, the use of a, of a tree saddle or a saddle, um, it, it requires the use of a platform as well. And there's really two different types of platforms that people use. They use a, a, a ring of steps um, around the tree. So imagine you know, a, a screw in step, right? And imagine if you had six of them and you made a ring all the way around a tree. 
Uh, and, and that's where, you know, ring of steps come from. It's pretty logical, right? Uh, but they use that as a platform. And if, if you, if you can't screw things into the tree, let's say you're hunting on, on public land and it's illegal to screw things into the tree. Uh, there are some, there are some, uh, strap on options available, like in, like the Ameristep strap on steps, which are, uh, they're no longer made, but you can find them on Craigslist and um, eBay pretty regularly in a lot of forums online. You can find them. And then there are uh, some commercial options available. Uh, one of that I can think of off the top of my head is the Silent Approach by Bullman Outdoors. He makes a strap-on step that you could use as a platform. But essentially, so so let's go back to that that um, example I gave of, of screwing in uh, screw in steps all the way around the tree and you make a ring. So you're, you're hanging at the tree at six o'clock. The tree is at noon and you can walk, you know, from five, four, three, two, one, all the way around clockwise or counterclockwise. You just slowly move your feet from one step to the other and slowly move around the tree either to hide yourself. And then, you know, once you're ready for the shot, you just kind of peek out to one side and take the shot. So that's one way to do it, which is probably the way that for me seems like it would make the most sense. Now, if you're if you're new to the idea and you watch a video of this ring of steps and you see it, you're going to be like, heck no, not not trusting my life with that. Now, when you watch the video of it, you, you kind of see it and it looks pretty cool. But probably the one that maybe looks the most normal to somebody else would be like uh, a seat, like a, a hang on stand seat platform type thing and you actually have a video greg which is a really really cool video what's that titled where you go through all the different um platforms for your saddle setup yeah it's, i think it's like the ultimate platform video or something like that and i basically go through kind of every option that's available um to use to use as a platform and most of them are diy options you know so so you just parker you kind of talked about a tree stand seat as a platform and there are some really smart dudes over at saddlehunter.com and they have they came up with a way of taking a seat off of a tree stand and putting it on a post and using it using um a, a, a method of strapping it to the tree and you basically stand on this little seat and then you can kind of pivot around. You can you can shoot uh, to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of the tree, and you just kind of move around on this little platform. And yeah, like you said, it, it, it's kind of difficult to explain, but you can watch the video and it'll it'll make sense. I've and I've heard a lot of people talk about saddle hunting in in the past, but it really didn't click until I watched some of your videos, uh, Greg. They're very very well made and very informative. So I just want to tell all of the listeners right now to go ahead and go ahead and, and watch those videos. If you're interested in that in this at all, or maybe you're a little bit on the edge, go listen, go uh, watch these videos on the YouTube channel, and 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 I think it'll probably change your mind on a lot of it. When you can see this video, um, I would say this video might have the most views. Is the ultimate platform setup? So that's what you kind of kind of do with your feet, but if you are talking about a deer coming out and you could basically have the tree in between you and this deer or whatever animal it is that you're hunting, how do you get around the tree? How do you get those perfect shot opportunities if you have a tree in your way? I know a lot of, for me, a lot of the times I want to set my clearest shot up for those shooting lanes. 
Um, and this would be basically just putting a tree in my way all the time. So how does that, how does that work? Well, okay. So let's, let's, let's start off with a traditional tree stand and let's assume that you're a right-handed hunter, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to put, when you set up your tree stand, you're going to put your most, uh, your expected direction of travel from the deer off to your left, right? Because you're a, you're a tree stand hunter and you're facing away from the tree. And if you're right-handed, you're going to shoot to your left or kind of let's, let's, let's go with that clock analogy. So you're sitting in a tree, a traditional tree stand, 12 o'clock is, you know, directly away from you. The tree, which you're leaning up against is at six o'clock. Your shot, your, your preferred shot is from noon to what, like, like seven o'clock, something like that. Uh, is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so you're going to set up, let's say there's a scrape or a rub line or something, you're going to set up with that rub line at like 9 o'clock, I, I would guess, you know, just as a as a, as a guess. Yeah. Um, and you're going to do the same exact thing with the saddle, except the tree is going to be at 12 o'clock now instead of at 6 o'clock. So it doesn't change your, your preferred shot at all. Um, you know, you're going to wait if the deer is coming from in front of you, uh, you're going to hide behind the tree until the deer gets to your nine o'clock and then you're just going to pull and shoot. The tree is not in your way whatsoever. Okay. So do you do a lot of, do you do a lot of like waiting for a shot opportunity this way than you probably would with a tree stand? I don't think so. I mean, I've shot a lot of deer out of both systems and I mean, I don't, I don't really notice a difference in, in, waiting at all i mean if anything you have more shot opportunities with the with a saddle because you're mobile you can move around the tree with a tree stand like we talked about earlier you know you're you can only shoot from from what's in front of you i mean you can shoot behind you but it just takes a lot more effort to get totally turned around in a traditional tree stand yeah yeah that makes sense so would you say there's any opportunities that you or any hunts that you're on that you would choose a tree stand, whether it be a climber or a ladder stand or anything like that, any kind of traditional tree stand, are there any times you would use that over a saddle? Um, I probably wouldn't just because I'm so committed to the system, but you know, I'm not normal. <laughs> I'm kind <laughs> of extreme. So when I, like you mentioned earlier, when, when I talked with Garrett from the DIY sportsman, he made a fantastic case for, uh, for still using a tr- for traditional tree stands in in certain scenarios and and basically his reasoning was it, it really depends on the situation you know maybe you're in a spot where where you're hunting like a, an evergreen or a cedar thicket well you can't really hunt a cedar tree with a saddle you that would be really difficult you would have to do a whole lot of trimming you'd basically have to trim a ring all the way around the tree you know, the, the, the height of your body more or less. Uh, so in that scenario, if you needed to hunt like a big cedar tree or something, I think a traditional lock on stand or a ladder stand would be better because then you could only trim, you know, just the branches out so you could get in there and hang a stand. Uh, so in a situation like that, I could see where, um, uh, traditional equipment might be a little bit better. And then, you know, if you were going to hunt all day for like a week straight, you know, maybe you were going on a guided hunt or something, uh, out of, out of town hunt and, and you were going to be sitting daylight to dark all day long. Um, 
you might want to use something a little bit more comfortable. I, I certainly wouldn't. I've done out-of-state hunts for a week, and I, I didn't need anything else. But if you were new to it, you might, you know. So I'm not going to say that a saddle is the end-all, be-all. Uh, there's definitely some situations where you might consider traditional equipment. But I can tell you that I haven't hunted out of a traditional tree stand uh, in the past six years. Wow. That's that's pretty incredible. It's funny. The way you talk about that, about the saddle, is kind of the way I feel about a kayak. Like, people have been telling me, like, you know, there's other spots on on this piece of public land. I'm like, yeah, but there's not other spots with water on it, you know? So I'm so committed to that process. So I can totally understand where you're coming with that, uh, Greg. Um, and so that kind of, that totally makes sense, though, because really... I mean, you think about like a thicket or something like that. Like here in Alabama, we have cutovers um, and and short pine thickets and stuff like that, that it really wouldn't be practical to try to hunt it with a saddle. You know, I mean, you would be in a lot of those areas, you would be somewhat unsafe um, trying to trying to put a stand. But I mean, ultimately, you'd be unsafe with a tree stand as well. You know, I mean, I think any tree that you could put a tree stand in would be good for a saddle is that right definitely any tree that can hold your weight there there's actually a there was a guy that posted on our forum that, that he hunted a spot like that it was a, a like a like a marshy swamp and there was nothing but saplings <laughs> and he, he made a post on there he, he took like three or four saplings and pulled them together and tied his saddle in at height for to do that and i was like man you're crazy no, did he really that. like he really hunted that yeah. way yeah, he pulled he pulled three three or four trees together. I can't remember, and then he he tied it up and and he hung there in the in the three saplings. Oh my gosh! And somebody either needs to like never let him be alone ever again, or give him a medal. That sounds pretty <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> yeah, definitely not for me. I mean, but hey, it's each his own. So so Greg, would you say that you are um, the biggest? advocate for saddle hunting i know you have a community of it of of other of other people and you mentioned um john eberhardt is that his name john eberhardt um you mentioned him and 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 your forum though is kind of one of the things that uh, a lot of saddle hunters are are drawn to in this process and beginning i'm on this forum i just joined and you also have a facebook page that's pretty cool and and it seems like kind of the go-to place would you say that i mean it's it's the largest repository of saddle hunting information in the world i don't know what a repository is but i know what a suppository is (laughs) (laughs) there's some of those on there too (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah i mean it's a really great resource uh, Blake, I don't know if you've checked it out yet or not, but it's a really, really good resource for guys that are wanting to get into this style. Even if you're just on the fence, just go look at some of the the success stories that are that are on there. I know, um, I know, Greg, was it your brother that was that had a success story in like Illinois or Indiana or something like that? Yeah, my brother and I we went to we did an Illinois public land hunt this past uh, November and. I made my brother a saddle and I, I hooked him up with the platform and everything. And he, he had hunted from it once or twice before at his lease in Florida. Um, but, but he, he wasn't a saddle hunter, you know, it was something that he just had played around with. 
and he decided to take it to Illinois and jump in with two feet because, you know, we were planning on covering lots of ground and he didn't want to lug around a climber or, you know, a, a, a big tree stand, which that's really one of the main benefits is, is that it's so light, you know, you wear it on your waist. You don't even know that you're wearing it. It's like wearing a fanny pack. It just, you just forget it's even there. And yeah, he went up there and we hunted for a week and, uh, all public land. We covered a ton of ground and he ended up shooting, uh, I think it was the second biggest buck he ever killed in his life with a bow. And no, it was his biggest bow buck ever. Uh, second biggest buck of all time. And, and it was, you know, he says it was due to the saddle. He was in a tree that he, you couldn't have gotten a traditional tree stand in. And, uh, so he, he, he attributed a lot of his success to that piece of gear. You know, I, I'm sure that, you know, you could have done it with, with any piece of gear. It just, you know, for him, it, it, it helped. Absolutely. I think, I think we all have those kind of situations where it's like, yeah, we could have done it without this, but man, it's kind of like a, a scope on your gun, you know, or, or a release with your bow. It's like, I could do it without it, but man, it's also a necessity. I have to have it or I can't, I'm not going to be able to function on this, on this specific hunt. And so I totally understand what you're saying, man, with that. And I'm, I'm really, really, really excited to, to, to try it out. But I want to know from you, Greg, Blake, do you have anything, any no, man, questions I, on that? I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, we covered a lot. And I think between what we've talked about, the, the forum and, and Greg's YouTube channel, man, I think you could get set up. Yeah, pretty easy. I, yeah. I think so too. Yeah, but but Greg, I want to know your greatest success story with a saddle. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I haven't killed a big buck out of out of my saddle, uh, but I did kill a my first mule deer from a saddle, and uh, that was a pretty cool success story. And, and here's the reason why. I drew a tag in Colorado for for a deer, and if you've never hunted in Colorado for deer, you'll you'll know that, or you wouldn't know that the, the entire state is a draw. So you may not even draw a deer tag every year in Colorado. And I drew a, a deer tag, and there was this tiny little piece of public ground that that I could hunt because. You, just because you draw a deer tag in Colorado, it doesn't mean you can just go wherever you want and kill a deer. You 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 draw an area, and they're they're kind of small. You know, it's I, I don't know the numbers, so I won't venture a guess. But you know, the whole state is broken down into areas, and and you have to stick within the area that you draw. And I drew this 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 piece of ground out in eastern Colorado, which is basically a plains. Uh, you, you think of Kansas, just flat rolling rolling ground. And that's all it was. And there was this little piece of public ground that had a had a creek running through it. And there were some trees that, that I don't I don't think you could have hunted from traditional tree stand. You could have probably leaned a, a, a ladder stand up against it. But the rules were you had to carry it in and out with you on every single hunt. You couldn't leave anything in the woods. And that pretty much eliminated a ladder stand. And, and I got in there with my saddle and it was the second buck that I ever killed out of the saddle. Um, but it was a tiny little four point, uh, my first mule deer buck. And it was definitely not a trophy from an antler perspective. It was tiny. It was uh, probably a one year old mule deer, but I was so pumped because 
I figured out these deer in this area that I'd never been before. No one helped me. I was all alone. It was this tiny little piece of public ground, and I figured the only place that I could uh, kill this deer, and I was able to make it happen. And, I mean, at least some measure of that was due to the saddle because I was able to hunt in an area that I just wouldn't have been possible with a climber or, you know, a ladder stand or something like that. So that's probably the, the deer that I'm most proud of. Uh, from the saddle that's so cool i know i know that feeling where it's like on a grand scheme like on the grand scale of things i really i killed a a, you know a one-year-old buck but man to me it's like those moments like that are why i do what i do you know what i mean like i've had i've had those times and i've killed bigger deer you know but the most memorable hunts that i've ever been on are the ones that I did something outside of the box. I did something, um, I, I, I learned a lesson or something like that, and it paid off. Whether it had been with a, a buttonhead or or a doe or a spike or anything like that, it doesn't really matter what it was. It was just the experience that, that made it great. And it sounds to me like that is kind of the ultimate the ultimate. Um, attractive part about hunting with a saddle is everything about it is an experience. It's something new. It's something that 99% of guys are not doing and they're not getting to experience while you're doing it. You're, you're spot on. And I tell guys that all the time. I say, don't, don't underestimate the fun aspect of hunting in a saddle. There's just something fun about hanging in a tree and moving around it and, and, being suspended and blending into the tree it's just fun it's way more fun than hunting from a traditional tree stand i mean to me you know when i was hunting from traditional gear the the tree stand was just simply a tool you know it it was just the thing that i climbed on and sat there i had no emotional feelings about it you know one way or the other it was just simply a tool but when i'm hunting in a saddle and it, it sounds a little weird or a little cliche but i mean that is fun just just in and of itself you know just to go out and hang there and move around the tree it's a ton of fun i mean guys do that they recreational rock climb and they climb trees as arborists you know recreationally and that's fun for them and and so we're we're tying in that fun aspect into hunting and and you don't really understand it until you try it Uh, and then you get out there and you're hanging there and it's a new experience and it's a lot of fun Dude, that, that's so cool, man. I love it. I love I love to hear your passion. I love to hear the passion in your voice for it. I totally understand that emotional connection to, to whatever your method is. And so, Greg, um, one more time, tell us your YouTube channel. Tell us all the resources that you have for saddle hunting. Yeah, well, that, that's cool. If you guys go check out my YouTube channel, G2 Outdoors on YouTube. But really, if you want to learn about saddle hunting – you need to go to saddlehunter.com. There are a whole bunch of dudes on that forum. I'm just one of them. Uh, the owner of the forum, Scott, his name is his, his forum name is Red Squirrel. That dude knows a ton about saddle hunting. And there are guys on the forum like John Eberhart and and hey, even one of the Sportsman's Nation's own, both of them, Bobby Boswell, Bob Boudreau Boswell, and and Garrett Prawl, the DIY Sportsman podcast. They're both on saddlehunter.com. 
they jump in and help guys all the time. We have a whole bunch of members. I'm not going to start naming members because I'll forget somebody and they'll get mad at me. But, you know, there are dozens of dudes on that forum that know exactly how to help you get into a saddle and how to help you figure out and make it work for you. So the, the number one resource is without a doubt, saddlehunter.com and, you know, just get on there and learn about it. And then if you want to see, you know, some idiot talking about stuff like a moron, then you can go to my YouTube channel and you can see me. Fantastic, man. We really do appreciate you coming on the show. Blake, do you have anything else for Greg? No, man. It's, it's been awesome, Greg. I appreciate you coming on. And thank you. You know, it's always good to talk to a, a, a fellow Southern outdoorsman. And this is the last attempt at an outro for this episode. <laughs> Take 25. <laughs> Take 25 at episode five outro. <laughs> no, man, that was a really good, a really good conversation with Greg Godfrey. Yeah, dude, Greg's an awesome guy, man. Glad he, we got to have him on. He seems like a really cool guy. I am super stoked about getting to hang out with him and him showing us kind of the the ropes, no pun intended, of uh, hunting with a tree saddle. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to sit in one, man. I just want to see what it's like. When he was talking about how you're kind of sitting behind the tree, so the tree's in between you and the deer, I don't know, man. I just, sounds right. Sounds good to me. And guys, if you are a, a mobile public land deer hunter specifically, I just want to encourage you to even re-listen to this episode. I've listened to that conversation several different times since we recorded it and I feel like I get something new every single time and I also want to encourage you to, to look at Greg's pages the G2 Outdoors um, SaddleHunter.com on the forum there's so much good information on a ton there. of information man anything it, you need to know about saddle hunting it's so good and actually he was we talked about it a little bit earlier but um, he was on the DIY Sportsman uh, podcast just a couple weeks ago it wasn't that long ago um, and that brings us to this, like go and check out some of the awesome podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation Network. And now we actually have two different RSS feeds, one's for Whitetail and one is for Western Big Game. And they are all good. Yeah, best best podcast feeds out there. The best podcast feeds out there. And we believe that so much that we think that you should go and give us a five-star review on five iTunes. Five-star, man. Five star. Anything less than five star. You know, our first episode, I said, yeah, uh, give us give us whatever you think we deserve. I remember that. Yeah. And that is the only episode that I've gotten hate mail from. <laughs> so <laughs> only five star reviews are acceptable here. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, we, we really encourage you to go do that. If you like the show, go give us a five star review. And what you actually do when you do that is you give the whole Sportsman's Nation a five star review. And they're all good dudes, really solid outdoorsmen. Um, also, be sure to stop by our Instagram. It's S T H R N Southern Ground Hunting, and on Face was that? Did I say Instagram already? Yeah, that's Instagram. Instagram yeah. is S T H R N G R O U N D Southern right. Ground, <laughs> and Facebook is Southern Ground Hunting. Um, YouTube, just look up Southern Ground. We've got a bunch of cool videos on there, instructional videos, and we started the Kayak Hunter uh, vlog, which has been a blast. Yeah, it's been some cool stuff, man. It's been a, a ton of fun, and I'm hoping to get a cool video of turkey season. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I, your, the last video you posted with that turkey goblin, man. Oh, God. I gotta tell, can I tell a story real quick before we, well, yeah, man. before we get off of this? You're in the captain's seat. Yeah. This busted up chair right here. <laughs> um, so I was in Walmart on Friday, 
Friday, Saturday. It was on Saturday night. So I had been in the woods Saturday morning. Saturday night, we're sitting in Walmart in the like the Easter candy section, <laughs> and some joker is like running a box call. No way. In the other aisle, he's like. <laughs> I wish you would have gobbled back at him. I did. <laughs> no way. I did. In the middle of Walmart, this guy, and I just didn't even miss a beat. Oh, that's so good. And everybody in the whole section just busted out laughing. <laughs> so we'll leave you with that story. It has been a really good time getting to talk to you guys and getting to talk to Greg. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you're listening to this, as always, you have a God-given right to have dominion over the earth and the beasts that roam it. So make sure you go out and exercise that dominion. You guys have a great week and we will talk to you next time.